Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Well, has this been a good series for you? It's been a great series for me. It's been challenging, uh, which is good, and uh, we're really excited about it, and uh, man, it's just been awesome. And so today, we're actually going to uh, jump into our message a little bit later before I want to I explain a couple of things to you. First of all, uh, if you're a, a believer in here today, I want you to know that this message today is going to be a little bit challenging. Uh, if you're not a believer in here, I want to encourage you to just sit back, relax, and enjoy your experience. Uh, but if you are a believer, we're going we're gonna to be challenged by Jesus today and his word. And uh, we're excited about that. At least I'm excited about it. And I think you will be too, because I believe that God wants to do something great through all of our lives. And I believe that he's going to use each one of us to accomplish his purpose. And so today we're going to be talking about how to be kingdom focused, how to be kingdom minded, how to put God's kingdom first in our lives. But before we jump into that message, I want to just tell you, explain it, something that maybe has been a little confusing to you. Uh, during this series, we started something new. If you look up on the screen right now, you see this down here? Okay, don't look on the stage. There's nothing on the stage. You see that? I'm getting good. I've had three services to nail this, all right? Am I pointing at it? Okay, good, all right. So that's called a Twitter hashtag. And what that is, is there's this uh, company called Twitter, and they started this technology company where they could, uh, where you can communicate what you're thinking in 160 characters or less, all right? Which, for some of us, that's really hard, right? But it's a good challenge, and uh, what we are using Twitter for here is to invite all of you to join in a conversation. So you can actually use that hashtag, everybody do this, put your two fingers up like this, we're going to do something real hip, okay? This is real hip, do this, like that. Tap them together, that's hashtag, all right? So you can use hashtag live like Jesus, all right? So you can, parents, you can go home and tell your kids, hey, look what I learned, hashtag, learned that in church, you know? <laughs> I'm cool, okay? Maybe they'll come to church next week and that'd be great. So you can actually use that. You type the hashtag and then type live like Jesus and then type something in that your thoughts about this series or what you're, what you're experiencing, what God's challenging you with, maybe a scripture verse or something like that. We want to encourage you to join in that conversation because here at New Life, we utilize technology. We believe that it's a good tool to take us deeper to, in our walk together with Jesus. Uh, so we, we encourage you to get your phones out during service. And if you're like, wow, that was really great, you can tweet that. Or, man, that just reminded me of a verse. And you could tweet that. And, and just, you know, we check that during the week. We look for Live Like Jesus. And, and uh, then we will retweet it, which is just reposting it on our timeline. And if you don't have that, if you look again down here, you can see our handle. Still pointing at it? All right, thank you. At, at Share the New Life is our name. So if you want to follow us, and I would encourage you to follow us on Twitter because we announce a lot of important things on there like, hey, the building's closed today because there's eight feet of snow outside. All right? So um, if, you, if you follow us on Twitter, you'll be able to get those updates in your timeline. And it works with Facebook as well. So if you want to use hashtag on Facebook, you're more than welcome to. And then we'll repost that on our Facebook group page. Um, and it'll be a good opportunity for you to do that. So if you're wondering, hey, what should I post? Um, just post really awesome quotes that your pastors say. All right? And just be like, this was awesome. Okay? Makes us feel good. You can laugh at that. That was funny. Okay, 
So before we get into the message, I want to review where we came from and where we're going today. So the first week of this series, we talked about this point that Pastor Chris made that actually Jesus made. Jesus said it was enough for us to be like him. You see, a lot of us, we kind of come into this idea of God thinking we've got to earn our right to be in his presence or be, uh, go to heaven someday or to have him love us, that we have to do what we need to do to be a good person in order to make God notice us. And actually what we talked about that week is really there's nothing that we can do. It's all about what God has done for us. And then as we receive that free gift of grace, that we live like Jesus in response. And so to live like Jesus, we have to know Jesus. That Jesus said it's enough for us to live like him. And so we shouldn't add stuff into our life that's unnecessary. We just need to live like him. And so that's what we started with that first week. That's the foundation of this series. And then the second week, we talked about this as a first step kind of into walking and living like Jesus was this point that Pastor Chris made. That Jesus' ministry started with baptism in water and the Holy Spirit. And ours should start there too. That's where we should start as well. We should, if we believe in Jesus, we should follow him in baptism. We should follow him and and we want to truly live like him, show the world. Now listen, here's the key. Baptism doesn't save us. It just shows the world that Jesus has saved us. Okay? And it's a representation or it's a symbol, symbolistic movement of us coming out of the water, leaving our old life in the grave and coming up into the new life that Jesus offers us. And so we talked about that and we talked about being baptized in the Holy Spirit and allowing him to lead us and guide us in our lives that we could serve Jesus the very best that we can. And then last week we talked about winning the war over temptation. Now does anybody remember how we win the war over temptation? Anybody remember? Just shout it out. What's that? Armor, right, the sword. Pastor Chris had this really sweet sword that I have to admit the band was kind of in the back doing their, you know, like it was really fun to play with. But it's a really awesome sword and we had the, what was the sword? Anybody remember? What did it represent? The word, right? So Jesus, when he was taken out into the wilderness and tempted by Satan, he quoted scripture to win the war over that temptation. That's what Jesus did in order to win the war. And that's what we need to do if we want to live like Jesus to win the war. So if we want to win the war, we have to know scripture. And I love what the psalmist wrote when he said, I hide the word of God in my heart that I might not sin against God. And you see, temptation is not a sin. When we give into that temptation, that's when we sin. Okay, so we have to, if we want to ward off temptation, because if we nail it there, we won't sin, right? We'll hide the word of God in our heart and then we can quote it when we need it. So we can pull it out kind of, kind of like a suitcase. We're pulling out a tool when we need it. All right, so we talked about that last week. And then today, we're going to dig into something really crucial for believers. So believe, if you're a believer in here, this is a really important message. And in fact, right now, I would encourage you to get your Bible out and open it up to Mark chapter 1. And if you don't have a Bible, but you have your smartphone, you like a, a Bible app on there, we recommend using the Bible app. You version. Uh, it's the best Bible app out there. You can download it in your app store and navigate to Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 14. We're going to look there. Uh, if you don't have either of those, we're going to put it on the screen for you in a minute. But as you get there, I want to just ask you this one very, very important question. What is the most significant problem that confronts humanity today? What is the most significant problem that confronts humanity today? 
Now, by a showing of hands, I actually want you to participate in this. How many of you think AIDS is the most significant problem that confronts humanity today? You can raise your hand. Nobody. You guys are smart. What about depression? How about cancer? Is that the most significant problem that confronts humanity today? No, you guys are really smart. You're like, hey, he's a pastor. He's getting somewhere, right? That's true. I am. So here we go. All right. How about sin? How many of you would say that sin is the most significant problem that confronts humanity today? Yeah, you're in church. Maybe you've read your Bible some, and you're like, yeah, it's got to be sin. Boom. It's not. The most significant problem that confronts humanity today is the wrath of God. How can I say that? I say that because the Apostle Paul made very clear in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, that the wrath of God is poured out on all ungodliness and on all unrighteousness because through it we suppress the truth. So the issue for us is that, yes, sin is a problem for us, but it's because, because of sin that the wrath of God is poured out on us. Therefore, the wrath of God is the most significant problem that confronts humanity today. Because here's, here's the thing. It doesn't just affect some of us. It affects all of us. We're born into an ungodly state, into unrighteousness. We naturally tend to sin against God. And, and I want to just, if, you, if you're not sure about that, maybe you think you're a good person, okay, that's fine. Let's ask 10 questions. Let's ask 10 questions, and if you answer yes to one of these, you'll fall into the category of unrighteousness, okay? So here we go. Here are 10 questions, and we're just going to go 10 to 1. Here we go. Number 10. Answer this in your heart. Don't raise your hand, all right? Some of these could be very serious. Number 10. Have you ever wanted something your friend or neighbor had? Have you ever wanted something your friend or neighbor had? Number 9. Have you ever lied? Even a tiny little white lie. Have you ever lied? Number eight, have you ever stolen even a little thing like a really awesome green eraser off your fourth grade teacher's desk? That thing is still in my office. I'm sorry, Mrs. Dahlman, if you're watching this. Number seven, have you ever looked at someone lustfully, this is for those of you who are married right now, who is not your husband or wife? Have you ever looked at someone lustfully who is not your husband or wife? Number six, have you ever been angry with someone? Some of you are like, yeah, on the way here. <laughs> Number five, have you ever dishonored your mom or dad? Number four, have you ever worked seven days in a row? Number three, have you ever cussed using God's name? Some of you are probably like, yeah, on the way here. <laughs> Number two, have you ever loved a thing more than God. Number one, have you ever loved your mom or dad or husband or wife or son or daughter or brother or sister or anyone or anything more than God? If you answered yes to any one of those questions, then you fall into the category of unrighteous and the wrath of God is rightly and justly to be poured out on ungodliness and unrighteousness. You might be wondering, where'd you get those questions, Brad? I got them from the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. 
It was the law that God gave to Moses. And anybody who breaks those, breaks those Ten Commandments, they're a sinner. And we all have probably participated in at least more than one of those. So we all fall into that category. We're all ungodly. We're all unrighteous. And the wrath of God is rightly and justly to be poured out onto us. So here's the question today. What can we do? What can we do? And that's where we're going to look at our scripture. And this is where Jesus comes into the picture. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Here's what it says. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached the good news. The time promised by God has come, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. So you see in this verse, we learn two things that Jesus tells us to do. So when we picture this problem, this most significant problem that confronts all humanity, and we think about what can we do because this is a really significant problem because the wrath of God is a serious thing. It's poured out on us if we're, if we're in sin, if we're ungodly, if we're not honoring him. So, so this is really, really important. What do we do? And Jesus says you need to do two things. You need to repent and you need to believe in the good news. So let's break that down a little bit. What does that word repent actually mean? You see, in the Greek text from which we translate our English Bibles, that Greek word means to actually change our mind. Change our mind. We have to change our mind about God. You see, a lot of us, when we think about repent, we think, oh man, I've got to go and tell my sins to somebody and this is really uncomfortable and really ashamed, you know, it brings a lot of shame on me. And, and you know, that's, that's part of the Christian life. But when Jesus said repent here, what he means is you need to change your mind about who God is because remember, your natural bent is ungodliness, un, uh, unrighteousness, and you might not like God. In fact, the scripture makes clear that most of us are God haters. We don't care about God. We don't acknowledge him with our lips or in our hearts. We, we just don't like him naturally. And so we have to change our minds about who he is. And you see, that's really hard unless there's good news, right? It's hard to change our minds about God when we hear that the wrath of God is going to be poured out on us because we're trying our very best to be a good person, but that's not good enough. Man, why would I change my mind about God? He seems mean. But here's the reality. There's good news. That's what Jesus said we have to do second is to believe in the good news. So here's the question then. What is the good news? What is the good news? If you hop over to John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, Jesus explains clearly what the good news is. And here's what it says. Many of you, many of you actually probably could quote this verse from memory, right? Because you see it everywhere. In fact, the world has adopted John 3, 16 as a pleasant saying. But here's the reality. It's not a pleasant saying. It's a profound truth of God. Jesus, who was fully man and fully God, made this statement. He's the one who said it. He was God. He established it. This is the truth of God. And here's what it says. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Then he goes on to say in verse 17, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. 
You see, God didn't send Jesus and saying to Jesus, hey, listen, you got to tell these people to repent. They got to get away from their sin. It's, you know, it's a horrible thing. They, Jesus went and said, yes, you need to repent. You need to change your mind about who God is. But listen, there's good news. And the good news is that I am here and I'm going to die for you. And I'm going to rise again for you. And I'm going to offer you my life, which is perfect. Because the apostle Paul wrote a little bit later in his letter to the Romans that God has a standard and his standard is perfection and that we all fall short of the glory of God. But only Jesus lived up to the standard that his father had set. You see, that's what God did. God sent Jesus. That's what Jesus said here. He sent Jesus into the world. Jesus lived a perfect life fully man and fully God, lived the life we couldn't live. He died the death we should have died on the cross. On the cross, Jesus bore the wrath of God for us. That should have been Brad French up on that cross. That should have been you up on that cross, enduring the wrath of God. But Jesus endured it for us. And then three days later, he was raised back to life again, overcoming sin and death forever and offering us his life. And the gospel writer John tells us in John 1.12 that to those whom believe in him, remember that's what Jesus said we need to believe, to those who believe in him, God gives the right, not a privilege, the right to become children of God. So that means if any of us in here today, we have believed in Jesus, we've trusted him as our Lord and Savior, then we have a right to be in his family. How awesome is that? Because we're born separated from God. We're born separated from his kingdom. And yet God, in his great love, in his great grace, sent Jesus to die on the cross, endure his wrath for us in our place, and he offers us his life. So that when God looks at us, he sees Jesus and he can welcome us into his kingdom as his children. That's good news. Because the reality is I'm a horrible person and so are you. But God is good and his steadfast love endures forever. And he pours it out on us through his son Jesus when we believe in the good news. So Jesus said, change your mind about God and believe in me, in my work, what I did for you, in the life I give you, and you will be saved. He said it right here. You will not perish but have eternal life. You see, God didn't send Jesus into the world to say, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. Eh, you're a pretty good person. You might make it. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. He didn't send Jesus to do that. You see, Jesus is going to do that later. And the way Jesus does that later is he says, okay, you look like me, you look like me, you look like me, you don't look like me, sorry. You look like me, you look like me. Scripture makes very clear that he will do that at the end of time. And so that's why now we need to be concerned about that person he looked at and said, you don't look like me, but your neighbor who lived next to you, he was a believer. Hmm. So, here's where we're going today with all of this. Jesus told us, if we're believer in here today, we hang on this, that we can have his life because his, of his death on the cross, because he was fully God and fully man, and that he gives us his life. We believe that, we trust that, and we love that, and we're so thankful for it. But the thing that's challenging for a lot of believers is to share that with other people. It's like having the cure for cancer and not telling anybody about it. Because remember, the most profound, the most significant problem 
that confronts humanity is not a disease, it's not a relationship problem, it's not a money issue, it's the wrath of God. And Jesus made very clear for us today what we are to do. So this is the practical application of this. If you're a believer in here, this is where the rubber meets the road, okay? We love the gospel, we trust the gospel, we trust in Jesus, we love him, we want more of him in our life, but how does that apply in our life. Well, all we have to do is we have to think about this series. We want to live like Jesus. And here's what Jesus did. He said in Luke chapter 4, verse 43, but he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. You see, Jesus' purpose was to do what? Anybody want to take a guess? Preach the good news of the kingdom of God. He was sent for this purpose. He was sent for this purpose. And here's the take-home point for today. Jesus' primary concern is the kingdom of God, which means that that's our primary concern too. Jesus was concerned about the kingdom of God. He was concerned about bringing people into the kingdom of God. And if we follow Jesus, if we are a disciple of Jesus, then we are being disciplined in his ways, in his life, then we too have to have our primary concern be the kingdom of God. You see, the good news is that we get to be a part of the kingdom. But if we do nothing else with that, if we don't tell anybody about that, if we don't pursue him with everything we are, then we're gonna miss it. We're gonna miss the point of following Jesus. In fact, Jesus said this, In Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 33, here's what he said about the kingdom of God and following him. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Any of you ever asked that question? I have. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You see, Jesus was speaking directly to those who believed in him, just as I today am speaking to those of you in here who say, yes, I believe in Jesus. I am a follower of Jesus. I'm here. I love this series. I want to live like Jesus. If that's you today, then you need to know that, you, first of all, you, you need to stop being anxious about your life, okay? That's, that's a me- another message for another time. But the reason is we have to be so focused on the kingdom of God and his righteousness, You see, we can't be anxious because anxiety points to us, right? We're worried about us, our life, what's going on. Do I have enough money? Do I have enough clothes? Do I have enough food? Me, 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 me. And you see, anxiety is the greatest detractor to the kingdom of God that exists because it totally envelops us. So we have to lay it down at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I need you to take this. I'm going to pursue your kingdom. I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to pursue your righteousness. And I'm going to trust you to do what you said you would do and provide for what I need. Because you see, Jesus commands us not to be anxious, to pursue the kingdom of God, to pursue his righteousness. And then he backs it up with a promise. All of these things, these things that you need, that by the way, your heavenly father, he knows that you need them. He'll take care of it for you. He'll take care of it for you. You just need to pursue Jesus. Pursue the kingdom of God because that's what Jesus did. And we're seeking to live like Jesus. So Jesus' primary concern was his kingdom. 
And that's our primary concern too. So how does, how does that work? I mean, a lot of us, we might think, hey, Pastor Chris, you know, right now, he's on a mission trip. He's in Cuba. He's doing it. He's doing it right now. He's, he's pursuing the kingdom of God in Cuba. He's pursuing God's righteousness and teaching these pastors how to live and teach the people in Cuba about Jesus. He's, he's doing that. But man, my life, I'm not doing that. I'm not going anywhere. Yes, you are. We're all going somewhere. Right? After you leave today, you're going somewhere. You're going to maybe out to eat or maybe you're going home or maybe you're going to catch the rest of the Olympics tonight. I don't know. You're going somewhere. And that's why I love when Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, when he told his believers, listen, therefore go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the Father, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said that in the Greek text, as Pastor Chris always points out, it says as they were going, because Jesus knew, listen, people are going everywhere all the time, right? We're always going somewhere. So as you are going, take every opportunity to make disciples. That's what Jesus meant when he told his disciples that. As you're going, if you travel this week, if you're traveling uh, internationally this week, seek opportunities. Ask God to give you opportunities to make disciples. Share the gospel. Share the kingdom of God because that's what Jesus did and that's what we are called to do. We must take the good news, which is the gospel. The two words are synonymous in the New Testament. Take the gospel to those with whom we live, those, to those with whom we, we work, and to those with whom we play. So everywhere you go, whether you're going to work or whether you're going home or whether you're going to somewhere fun today, wherever you go, take the kingdom of God and share it in your life with those around you. Change your mind about God, believe in him, and share the kingdom. That's what believers do. That's what Christians do. And the serious reality is this. Most Christians don't take that seriously. They're like, come to church, get pumped up about it, go home, forget all about it, right? That's what happens in America. That's why, that's why there aren't more believers in America. There's more believers in China than there is in America. How amazing is that? There, there should be, in a, in a nation that has freedom of religion, we should have that opportunity. We should take that opportunity with every opportunity because we have the remedy for the wrath of God. And his name is Jesus. And it's our responsibility to share him with the world so that when Jesus goes, you look like me, you look like me, you look like me, and he gets to this guy over here, he says, you look like me too because your neighbor obeyed what I commanded him or her to do. You see, when we get to heaven, we want Jesus to look at us and say, mm, you did it, good job. Come on in, enjoy the kingdom. We don't want him to be discouraged with us or say, man, I, I put so much potential in you to share the kingdom and, and you didn't do anything with it. Jesus' primary concern was the kingdom of God. That is our primary concern too. So this morning, if you aren't a Christian, if you're not a believer, I wanna give you that opportunity to say yes because we've been talking about it. We've been talking about sharing the kingdom. And so I'm going to give you right now the opportunity to become a part of the kingdom. And so I'm just gonna ask you, close your eyes and bow your heads. We're not gonna do anything weird. I'm just gonna ask you to pray a prayer that I'm going to say in your heart. Just agree with it in your heart. You don't have to repeat the lines. And listen, it's not the prayer that saves you. It's your faith 
in Jesus that saves you. It's your faith in the one to whom you're praying that saves you. So just pray this prayer in agreement if you want to trust Jesus right now and come into his kingdom. Just say in your heart, Lord Jesus, thank you for everything that you have done for me. Thank you for coming here, living the life I couldn't live, dying the death I should have died, and rising again by the power of God, offering me your life that I might be welcomed into your kingdom. Thank you for the good news that you have given us. And today, Lord, I accept it. I believe it. I receive you into my life as my Lord and as my Savior. I praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen. And now, um, for the rest of us, for those of us who are believers, we're going to do something maybe a little uncomfortable, and that's okay. I've learned that God works more powerfully when I'm uncomfortable than when I am comfortable. And uh, may, if you're an extreme introvert, this is really going to bother you, okay? And I'm sorry, but here we go. <laughs> we're going to stand up, not yet, but we're going to stand up, and we're going to come up here, and we're going to pray. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray that God would fill us with boldness this week, that he would fill us up so much that he overflows into every other area where we live, where we work, and where we play. And we're going to take seriously that we are going to follow him this week, that we are going to seek his kingdom, that we are going to share his kingdom, that we're going to pursue his righteousness, and we're going to stop worrying about ourselves, and then we're going to let him provide for what we need. And so right now, I'm going to ask you to just stand up if you are a believer and you want to. If you have small kids, I understand you need to stay there. That's fine. But just stand up. Come up front as much up front as you can come. And I'm going to stand on this step because I'm short. The Lord didn't give me a few extra inches between my hips and my knees. And I just ask you to put your hand on somebody's shoulder. And as I've told all the other services, don't place it anywhere inappropriate, okay? Unless it's your husband or wife. And we're just going to pray that God would fill us up, that we would live like him where we live, where we work, where we pray, uh, play and pray. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you. We thank you for your great grace. We thank you for your love, abundant, steadfast, everlasting. We thank you for your kingdom that you have invited all of us into as we trust you as our Lord and Savior. And today, God, we pray that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would fill us with boldness to go out into the world, no matter where we live, no matter where we work, no matter where we play, that, God, you would take your kingdom to those places and that we would trust you, that we would not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, that you, God, would receive all the glory. God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to share the most important truth, the most important remedy for the world, your son Jesus. And we pray now that you would give us boldness to do it everywhere we go today, this week and forever. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, take a seat. Thank you.
That was awesome. That tells me that this church takes seriously the call to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that also tells me that if we will do what we just came up and prayed for, if we will experience it this week, if we will allow God to pour through us this week, that our world will change. And I'm not just talking about the big world, I'm talking about your world. Those with whom you interact daily, it will begin to change. God will give you what you need. But we have to put him first. We have to trust him for everything. And so as we go out of here today, let's live out this commitment, which says this. I will seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness this week. Many of you, most of you came up and said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Then let's do it. You see, some of us, we're going to face that opportunity the minute we walk out those doors. And others of us, it might be a couple of days, but God will bring an opportunity to share his kingdom. Let's do it with boldness and graciousness and love. Let's do it trusting him to come through because he will. It's going to be awesome what God's going to do in this region, in this area, in this nation, and all over the world. Because of one little church, which is not really little anymore, but in Western PA, called New Life. We are a part of God's movement here, and it's awesome, and it's powerful. So let's live into it.